0: Welcome to the Now Next podcast, but season two this time, where we navigate your meaningful now and your meaningful next. My name is Mary Claire Kunkel. I'm a senior undergraduate student at Capital University, and I have two wonderful, lovely, amazing co-hosts and here they are. What are your names? My name is Sammy Diviasso. Last season, we talked about our voices. This is my voice. So this
1: is my voice. Um, I'm a second-year Master of Divinity student at Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capitol University.
2: There are so many ats in this situation. At at. at. I am Drew Tucker. I'm really just basking in being called a lovely co-host. That doesn't usually happen in my line of work. So, you know, it's just, it's just so nice.
0: I'll take it back.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. That's where I was hoping this would go. Excellent. I am the university pastor and director for the Center for Faith and Learning here at Capital University. And I am so excited for this second season of the Now Next podcast. But it seems to me that we should probably recap last season for those that might not have known how we got here. So what did we do last season?
1: It seems like forever ago because pandemic times, but we talked a lot about the 4D faith model. The 4D faith model, meaning we talked a lot about discovery, what it means to look and find our different maps, to be on, we talked a lot about boats, nautical imagery. We also talked a lot about discernment. That's the second D in the 4D faith model. So discerning which maps we wanna use, discerning, where we want to go, discerning where we're at. We also then talked a lot about development. So once we've kind of had some time to figure out maybe a direction that we're going or moving, some time to develop those skills. And then finally our four and our 4D faith model is decide. So decisions. And we talked with Savannah Sullivan about how to make decisions, how to navigate being at dead ends and what do we do in the midst of community of all of that? And this season, we're turning our focus a little bit
0: differently. Yeah. So as Sammy said, last season, we talked much more conceptually about vocation and life-giving meaningful work for the world. But this season, we're very intentionally turning it much more action-focused on how your vocation manifests or your vocations manifest. And in that, you are called, that's our big overarching theme. And when you are called, you are called through something, with something, for something, and also to something. And that's what we'll be exploring this spring. And with us to do that, we have an interviewee Dave Kaufman is the Interim President at Capital University and also the immediate past CEO and now Director of Encova Insurance. Dave and his wife Nan live in Worthington, Ohio and are blessed with three daughters, two sons-in-laws and one granddaughter. Dave and Nan are active members of All Saints Lutheran Church in Worthington and Dave has served on the Board of Trustees for All Shepherds Lutheran Church in Lewis Center. He enjoys all sports and actively golfs, skis and plays platform tennis. Dave, we're so excited to be with you.
2: And today our theme is vocation and specifically that you are called. And with that, our focus is that vocation is something inside awakened by something outside. So for Christians, the idea is there is something inside of us that is awakened by our engagement with God, by our engagement with the Trinity, by our discovery of the Spirit in our lives. And other religious traditions, it's other deities and the roles of those gods in the lives of the practitioners that can help to awaken that sense of purpose. And in other communities, in the spiritual but not religious community, in secular humanist communities, there are still rituals and traditions, even the social net that we have around us that is outside of our being and yet awakens something within us. So when we talk about vocation, we're talking about something that is inside of us, but that needs something outside of us to draw it into new and clear and vibrant life
0: i'm very bad at actually having rituals just in general holding myself to a schedule so i really struggle with that so i'm curious for listeners who are like me or just people who want you know new ideas for rituals do you all have any like practices that help you pursue this sense of meaning in your life, whether it's religious or secular?
2: You know, for me, and this is not because I'm trying to pump up my wife's ego, but really one of those pieces is I have learned that conversation with Michelle can really highlight what's important and even things that maybe I wasn't ready to admit were important, but she can see clearly she knows my values, she knows the core of who I am and who I want to be. And so inviting her into conversation involves some vulnerability and some risk. Uh, But that conversation also really does help me see more that purpose, that meaning that I know I'm trying to sort of excavate out of my heart. And she really can see through and help me with that.
1: I would say for me, I am similar in that Pastor Drew and like asking other people, but I think getting back to what we talked about in our discernment and decision episodes, sometimes I'm just like, let me ask these 10 people. And so I like just go for free for all. And I ask a ton of people where I'm at and where I'm being called and things like that. And from that kind of like frenzy, then I have to and need to go to a place of quiet and stillness. Most of the time for me, that's a place by a body of water and just sit with a journal. I have to do that in order to take all of these things that have been creating a lot of noise in order to just listen to actually what I'm hearing from that and what's where i'm feeling called so that awakening is almost inside of me that nature and that stillness is helping me to hear and find
3: i'd say that's similar for for myself it seems i'll seek um outside input because there's always some blind spots possibly that need to be brought to my attention and you always get some validation with where i thought i was being directed i need then time alone to journal ask questions and and go within to get the answers and be confident that, that my decision is the right one or I'm, I'm heading on the right course.
0: All right. So what I've gathered is I need to get a wife and also find a body of water. Very quickly. <laughs> You'll be set. You'll have it all figured out. Got to get my to-do list. All right.
2: <laughs> so one of the pieces that we're going to explore later in the series, in episode three of this season, is that your identity is core to this as well that you are you. And so the fullness of you is called to this. I don't wanna ignore that now, but it's so deep and so extensive that we're gonna spend more time on that later in the season. But that when you are on this journey, I want you to remember that the fullness of you is called to this moment, to the questions that you have, to the hopes that you have, to the dreams that are in your heart and mind, The fullness of you is there and that means your failures and your successes, your weaknesses and your strengths, what you've done and what you've not done, all of that is there with you. But you're also not alone in that, that you are in relationship on that journey. You have, as our imagery throughout this series has been, you have a crew with you on this sailing ship. This journey for us has been me and Mary Claire and Sammy kind of crewing this boat together and then inviting in special guests to be a part of us along the way. And so that purpose and that meaning that we're discovering is not going to leave us. It may change over time, but we will always have a purpose. We will always have a meaning at this intersection of the things that we're called to and the people that we are and that we bring to our purpose. So with that, let's go ahead and turn toward the person that you're really here to listen to, to our interview with President Dave Kaufman of Capital University.
1: So Dave, we know that you are a person of deep faith whose vocation has been leading businesses and now in education. And so we're wondering if you could tell us a story of how you were called to capital.
3: I think everyone has like a scripture verse they relate to. And mine is Romans 12, 8, and it's about spiritual gifts. And in that one verse, it's about leadership, encouragement, and giving. That's what I've embraced. So no matter what role I've been in, you mentioned CEO, president, even being a father involved in the community. I've always found that um, I, I try to take a leadership role and be a positive role model. It's always about encouraging others. So as we see these challenges and, you know, it's always trying to find the the opportunity in the obstacle. And I'm always looking at what I can give, you know, how can I give to make something better? So it's always that Leadership, and courage and giving. and um, when I was coming out of the CEO role at EnCOva, I was aware of, of capital, I'm Lutheran, I know a lot of alum and have highly respected them, worked with a lot of them, especially out of the the law school. I I thought about maybe teaching. I was talking to some other universities about joining their boards, and then COVID hit. The search committee for capital had reached out to me prior to COVID, and I didn't think my background fit being a permanent appointed president. Well, then when COVID hit and the university switched to looking for a interim president, I really thought, you know what, it it did seem to align much more than a permanent appointment. And I thought, "Um, I can serve. I think I can help capital through these challenging times by applying some of the things I've learned as an executive. I knew there's a seminary. I, I'm a member of All Saints Lutheran and Worthington. Both pastors there came through Trinity. So when I look at my Lutheran values, um, seminary being part of, of capital, it just seemed like here's a chance for my faith and kind of my spiritual gifts and, and calling kind of aligned to maybe I could help make a difference. I,
2: I need to say, that I, for our listeners especially, I did not seed this with Dave beforehand, but I love that your experience matches our understanding of vocation so well, because the way we define vocation is any meaningful and life-giving work that you do for the world. And so hearing that you have these kinds of meaning-making processes in your life, these experiences that you saw that they could be life-giving for another community, for these people at Capital that you kind of knew, but didn't have as deep of awareness of yet, and that that was where your vocation was awakened in this next step of your journey. Uh, I think it really validates some of the ways that we've been working together for the last couple of years to develop all this. So I really appreciate you sharing that.
3: Well, it has been been fascinating for me also because you always grow through new opportunities. And so I'm seven months into this, and and I can't tell you how much I've benefited from the new network, the teams that have been established, the the interactions. It's been a real positive experience. So I'm I'm energized by it.
0: I really appreciate. Your language of aligning, where you have these interests and these gifts, and finding that perfect little sweet spot in any given situation of how to apply those. And I'm curious, what has guided your journey to being called as a leader of faith rather than a career faith leader, having your faith be a part of who you are without, you know, being a pastor?
3: I spent too much time at a younger age on on what am I going to do as opposed to who am I going to be no matter what I do. So when you look at that leadership encouragement and being a person of faith, I found that taking those spiritual gifts kind of led me into the corporate realm. So corporate life really became my ministry. But then it really becomes who are you and it's being this person of faith and seeing the, the different people and opportunities and challenges that come to me as an executive, really, I can't tell you how many opportunities I've I've had to witness my faith just by setting an example and being true to the Christian values that I grew up with. I think sometimes, too, that it can be applied more applicable. So as opposed to being a minister, maybe being a CEO, I have more situations where, wow, we can take this principle, this biblical value and apply it in a real life setting that that makes a positive impact or carries somebody through a, a real difficult time.
0: Have there been any things when you're being guided on this journey, like any steady stars, just like people or values that you hold that grounded you? And then in turn, any unexpected, you know, gusts of wind? That pushed you in a new direction.
3: Yeah, it's about people and purpose. And I just find that um, appreciating the different perspectives and forming as a team, and getting everyone to embrace consistent values, uh, appreciation for each other. That that teamwork—that's kind of the steady star, as as you refer to. It. And then there's always um, challenges, and usually those are the unplanned things. There are things. Outside your control, COVID is an example. But I'd say it's a matter of um, even when those hit, kind of hit the pause button. And yeah, that's it's a challenge, it's an obstacle. But then really looking at what's the opportunity here, what do we want to be on the other side of this, and then forming a path from here to there.
2: So, Dave, you've mentioned that you have a number of different vocations. You've mentioned being a parent. You've mentioned being a a CEO formerly and now a different kind of CEO in the education realm. We know that you are a person of faith. So there's lots of different calls that are in your life. So I'm curious how you balance those things. How do they differ with one another? How do they blend together? How do you manage having those different
3: calls? One thing that's helped me is having a, a consistent leadership model through all those roles. So I call it a a build trust, achieve results model. So the foundation is trust. And there's three elements to that. And this is where my faith comes in that the key, the key element of trust is your character, your integrity, those values. And the other element is your capability, you got to be capable to do what people are trusting you to do. And then your communication, the way you connect with them. So those three things and, and drew that so that foundation of trust is critical to all those roles. And my Christian values are the foundation to that trust. So it doesn't matter if I'm a, a president or a CEO, everyone's expecting that of me being a husband, a father. My daughters look look to me the same way. They're expecting me to be a role model, you know, to model the integrity and um, be capable to be a good dad and help them with their issues and communicate, you know, consistently and, and connect with them, make sure they're clear on what they're wanting to achieve and I hold them accountable for it. And then just say, how can I support you? You know, what can I do? And that's no different than an executive, no matter dad, CEO, president, you know, non-profit leader, it's the its the same thing. I'm trying to be the same person in all those different roles.
1: Yeah, that is really awesome. And what it's kind of bringing up for me too is thinking about how our different callings and vocations can inform one another and also our previous callings and vocations that have led us to new things can then inform where we're at. And I think that's true of identity. And I also, I think that can get muddied in like us trying to define what is our identity? What is our calling? What is our vocation? And so I'm curious for you, is there a difference between your identity and calling? And if so, how do you determine what that difference is?
3: Who I am is a, I feel I'm a faith-based leader. You know, I've had so many different roles, so many different careers or vocation. I I feel like um, those different roles provide different opportunities to express who I am. An individual came into my life and because of that i went to college where i otherwise wouldn't have he died before i had a chance to thank him so to pay him back i started a nonprofit focused on inner city kids in the fifth grade so we coach about oh, between 50 and 100 kids a year and so in that role you know where i'm sitting with a fifth grader from you know the inner city of columbus i can't tell you how much i've learned and appreciated that fifth graders um, walk in life, their background, their aspirations, their challenges. From then I can apply in my current role as president of the university. So that's the challenge I think is really trying to learn in all your situations and being able to apply it now but i've learned as much from these these fifth graders as as some of the executives that, that i've worked closely with would you
0: say that your identity informs your calling and your calling informs your identity
3: i would agree with that i think it's integrated you evolve through that i, I would agree with that
1: it sounds like too what i'm hearing is in some ways it could be at different points your calling may lead you to unearth or awaken some things in your identity that you didn't know before. I know that's been the case for me, but then similarly, vice versa. And I think that's continues to like expand our nautical themes and getting back to our vocational discernment is like it could be both and and at the same time. And it doesn't have to be this one way shot where we're just going through and we know our identity and we know our calling. So Thank you.
3: Well, I think also sometimes you have to see what you're not to know who you are. And I've experienced that too. But then sometimes no is the most difficult decision where sometimes in the best interest of others and yourself, it's not making that commitment and saying no, being disciplined to that. And that's been the bigger challenge for me. But usually I'm fine. You know what? I'm not feeling the energy, the growth it's not aligned with my values, see what I'm not to validate who I am and then to to move.
2: Well, yeah, even with the idea that you are called, that any of us are called, that doesn't mean that you are called to everything. You are called to certain things in certain times in certain places, which is going to require a no to other things in other times and other places. And that part of development, that part of, of maturity has to do with both vocation and with identity. There's an overlap in saying, This is not the person that I want to be. And this is not the thing I am called to do. And that will develop us in that kind of, of continually mutually beneficial growth. I think the hardest thing that I have learned in this process is no's aren't just a one-time thing that you have to consistently address. What am I called to? Yes, I said no to the thing before, but what if it comes up again? Or what if there's a new invitation? I said yes to this call before, that doesn't mean it will be my call forever. There are those kinds of things where we have to realize that yes now doesn't mean yes forever. And no now doesn't mean no forever, at least
3: not always. Yeah, I think that's well said, Drew. And and we move and evolve. I, I know I've showed um, videos to a leadership team, showed them the same thing, say a year later, and they were surprised at new insights they took out of it. And it was the same video but they had moved. And the fact that they had moved, they were looking for different things within it. And I thought that was a good analogy to what our experience is like as we evolve through different challenges.
0: So as we kind of mentioned before, and those who are listeners who have been voyaging with us for a while, we are often using this nautical language because we find you know, the imagery of being on a boat, out in the water, needing to rely on various tools around you and people around you to figure out where you're going is very resonant with, you know, the notion of vocation. And so with that, we're wondering how do you trust your map or your values, what you're feeling called to do and then also your instincts, because with what you were saying of knowing when to say no, knowing when to say yes, feels pretty instinctual to me, at least in my experience, a lot of that is feeling. How do you trust those things to know that you're doing the right thing and not second guess yourself all the time?
3: I think it goes back to what we, we talked about earlier about how do you make difficult decisions? You know, what counsel do you seek? And then I have always my whole life, I go to journaling. And one of the challenges is you get out of that habit. I heard a sermon when I was in college. And, and what they said was, um, back in the old days, the sailors would look at the North Star to guide them. And on cloudy nights, they couldn't see the star, but the star was still there. And the message was that my life had gotten so busy, I had lost sight of my values, but the values were still there. So sometimes you just got to call time out regroup and and get back to the fundamental habits that that work for you.
0: In those situations, have you ever gotten so stuck, so unable to see the star because of some sort of like cloud that you've had to call out for help?
3: I wouldn't say like help like at a crisis point, but more is it the situation is evolving in an undesirable direction, then reaching out for another level of advice, counsel support i I've, I've experienced that. But I've never really been to the point where and I think that's been maybe good instinct or you know that I've been able to avoid that crisis. I've been blessed I think with enough um, support around me to avoid that situation but there's definitely times where you know you're you're tinkering on it you know you're you're getting close. Well,
2: and I think having worked with you for I can't believe it's only been seven months. One of the things I think that you do better, certainly better than me, is you ask for help early. Like you you seek input before a situation becomes a crisis. Um, you've called me or emailed me or texted me and said, hey, I've got this thing. I just want your input on it before we act. And so you do that in a way that I think helps to sort of negotiate those, those treacherous waters. You're not waiting until the crisis to seek help. And I think that's a piece of wisdom for all of us to consider is if we wait until the crisis to ask for help, then we've probably waited
3: too long. I appreciate that. And, and part of that is forming a diverse team. So if you have a team with diverse experiences and, and perspectives, that really enriches any kind of dialogue. So there's a number of times where, and I've told the team that okay, the president has all these decisions to make. Some of them are independent, I just make them. And some of them are consultative. And I can't tell you how many times I was going into that meeting thinking A is the answer, listening to the dialogue and leaving where, okay, it's obviously B. And um, so being open to that, but also being blessed with a team that is comfortable sharing different perspectives and having any conflict be healthy, that's a healthy environment.
2: So one of the questions that we're asking each of our guests that we are trying to get different perspectives on is what do you wish you knew about vocation when you were a kid? What do you wish you could tell, you know, eight-year-old Dave about vocation that you know now?
3: That it's not as specific as what I thought it was when when I was a a child. Someone told me it's like, um, God's looking at you, you're on a playground. And he doesn't care if you're on the merry-go-round, doesn't care if you're going down the slide or on the swing. It's like, are you are you honoring him or are you serving others? And as I pursued, you know, I went to college to be a um, math teacher and basketball coach. I became an actuary, completely quantitative, completely different environment, evolved into a CEO, which is all about people and systems, to now a president of a university. And I look at that and think, wow, those are pretty unique and and different vocations or paths. But the, the similarity is like, who, who are you in each of those opportunities? They all present a different opportunity to serve and be, and be true to yourself. So, so I would say that I spent too much time to want to be a basketball coach. Do I want to go into business? Do I want to teach? Do I want to be a pastor? I even considered that. And I thought, man, I spent too much time on that because if I just prayed and followed the energy and God would open the doors. And I found that, that, yeah, the, the right doors have been opened and there's been ample times, you know, opportunities to be true to myself and serve others and And witness.
2: You know, most of our our interviews have been with people who are not a part of the campus community or are kind of well-known in other ways, but you're still new. And because of the pandemic, it's been just, you know, it's not been the way that you wanted to get introduced to the community, that the community wanted to get introduced to you. So let's use a little bit of this time to figure out what do you want Capital University, what do you want all of our students and faculty and staff to know about
3: you? The biggest challenge for me, as you said, has been covid because one one of the attractions to this position was the students and the faculty and staff, a chance to to really engage and just being able to sit down, you know, on um, all the different spots around campus and just kind of get to know each other, be able to, hey, what are you struggling with? Hey, what can I help you with? You know, connecting, developing that kind of uh, relationship. I just haven't been able to do that. And that was one of the things I was looking forward to most coming into the position. So, Um, So maybe it's that it's just I I feel like I haven't had the opportunity for the campus community to get to know me, you know, as as an individual and um, and that'll come.
2: What are your hopes for students everywhere as they're all figuring out who they're called to be? As they're all figuring out their identities and their vocations. Talked a lot about, you know, practical advice, but what do you really hope and pray for them at this stage of
3: life? I think that um, it might be that they just embrace becoming the best version of themselves that, that they can be. I feel like through social media and, and the unrest and a lot of the, you know, the headlines that we're dealing with today, it, um, I think it can be confusing. It can be discouraging to at some point. And I think if everyone could just have that accept themselves as complete, they're they're special. You know, God you God made you, you're a special gift. Accept that. But then the the challenge is what do you develop into? And it's not about becoming someone else or some, it's about being the best version of yourself. So that's what I would would hope. Everyone could have that confidence, the love of themselves and feeling special. They're here for a, a reason. I think the word shape, everyone's got their own spiritual inclination, the S. Everyone's got their their heart, what they love to do. They have their own unique abilities, their own personality and their unique experiences. So if you look at that shape to find that way, each of us is unique and we, we're needed to fulfill our mission and make our difference. So so that's my, my hope is everyone realizes how special they are and are motivated to reach their personal potential.
2: Dave, thank you so much for being with us for this time that you're spending with us. I, I enjoyed it. I'm so thankful that President Kaufman was able to join us today, not just because he's the president of the university, though that's a big deal. And I'm grateful that he carved out some time and shared that with us and with you, our listeners, but I'm grateful because he understands and he knows and he embodies this sense that we are called and that over his lifetime, he saw at different pieces and parts that that calling wasn't the same, but that that didn't mean God had abandoned him. Nor did it mean his identity was gone. It meant instead that the calling had changed. And so as we think about this idea that you are called, that we are called, that I am called, it's so vital to remember here in this space that we are called with the fullness of ourself, that this thing inside of us, this vocation, this purpose is awakened by something outside of us. And sometimes that's someone speaking a word into us. Sometimes that's an experience that we've had. Sometimes that's a ritual from within our community. But this vocation, this purpose that is in us is awakened by something outside of us. And so that means we are not alone in this. And that even as our vocations change, even as our purposes shift, neither do we lose ourselves or our value. Instead, we develop new ways to share and express that value i'm excited to turn next week to talk about through something that one of the ways that we discover we are called is through our community thanks for joining us
0: now next is brought to you by the center for faith and learning at capitol university due to the covid 19 pandemic this episode was recorded remotely over zoom funding for now next is thanks to the generous philip Knutson endowment and lutheran campus ministry our co-hosts are drew tucker mary claire hunkel and Sammy Debiasto. Our podcast producer is yours truly, and
2: our seaworthy theme music fiddle DD is by Shane Ivers.